So we have no word yet on Reese Beekman's status, whether he will remain in the NBA draft doesn't seem to be the logical scenario. Should he stay or should he go? Yes, uh, there are a number of versions of that song we could play instead of yours, Trey, but we're not going to play any of those. If you want to listen to Michael Massey's version of Umbrella, listen to the latest episode of the Happy Hour podcast. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's approaching Grammy status right now with his musical scene he'll be nominated under the karaoke category uh as he has certainly made his case but another case that's been made and we appreciate the feedback and we're overdue as always to get to this but we thank you for bearing with us fast lane ed lane facebook twitter instagram if you hit me up on linkedin or facebook the personal page i mean it all kind of goes to the same spot shannon chimed in I have a theory as to why ACC basketball has been trudging toward mediocrity. Note the five teams they only put in the NCAA tournament in 2023. I grant that, yes, things could be temporarily proven wrong over a period of time, but the SEC is becoming the hype of college basketball, much as it is in football. They might even coin Coach Prime's slogan of, quote, we coming, end quote. Watch the games. There's depth of athleticism, and the $833 million in athletic revenue is the highest right with the Big Ten at $630 million. Don't let the profitability numbers fool you. Where's all this money going? The SEC seems to have put it into infrastructure upgrades, facilities, dorms, manicure lawns, and everything else that goes into a program. So I'll I'll pick apart what Shannon said to a certain extent, and that's this. It's not just the SEC. College basketball, because of the transfer portal and the one-and-done rule, where players can bypass college and go to the NBA G League, or a player goes to college for a year and then turns pro. I think it's harder to fine-tune your roster than it is at the collegiate level, where you can identify the highest and best recruits out of high school and football, get them to your school. That creates the level of competition, Ohio State pass catchers, Georgia defensive line, Alabama across the board. You can pick your spots and examples in college football. It's harder to do that in basketball. I think we're destined for more of a year like this past year where you get a couple of teams where it's clear that NIL and being power programs matter. Miami and UConn getting to the Final Four. But you're also going to get programs where they really do identify talents. They frankly identify players that have talent but may have gone to spots where they were underutilized in high school or in college and enter the portal, and they go to a Florida Atlantic who had both of their players who tested the NBA draft announced today that they're going to return to school. San Diego State, same thing. Could it creep up for a school like VCU as they made the Final Four a few years ago or George Mason or Liberty or someone else? Yeah, I think you could get that. Now, here's the flip side to that. I do think you're more likely to see high-end talent go to the SEC, especially during the regular season, and to the Big Ten as well. I mean, look at the Big Ten historically. They've often put seven to eight teams in the NCAA tournament regularly. How often have they actually gotten a team even to the Final Four? I mean, they haven't come close to doing that outside of Michigan State a couple of years ago when they lost to Texas Tech in 2019, the same Red Raider team that Virginia would beat when they won the championship. It is different. It's not totally different than football. Because football is such a percentages game that you accrue the top talent over the course of the season, the players, they get worn down. In basketball, there's load management, there's five players on the floor at a time, 
So I think, yes, NIL and revenue is impacting college basketball to a certain extent. The SEC is no longer a, a, a doormat, if you will, a Power 5 conference basketball. They've got the funds, the resources, and I revert back to a conversation we had a couple of years ago with Gary Parish of CBS Sports, about a year and a half ago. And he came on here, and if you really dig deep into the Fastlane Nedlane archives where you listen to podcasts, you can find this. But he mentioned that the SEC commissioner, it may have been Greg Sankey, it may have been, um, God rest his soul, the commissioner before that whose name escapes me, Mike Slive, who said, look, if you want to be good in basketball, take advantage of the fact that we've got money coming into our conference and put it in that direction. So it's not a clear answer to Shannon's comment about the ACC is trudging toward mediocrity in basketball. I think there's some of that, but I think the most overlooked part is this reality. Virginia's got great coaching with Tony Bennett. If he wasn't there, I struggle to believe that either of the last two teams would have made postseason play. Certainly the one in 2021, 2022, last year's team, not this past year, but last year's. I struggle to believe that team would have made the NIT or even been above 500. It was all Tony Bennett. This year's team still had its offensive concerns that became exploited and realized over the course of the season. But look across the landscape at how many talented coaches have left the conference. Some of it may be because they don't want to put the work in. It's a different ball game. You're constantly re-recruiting your own roster. But Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, now Syracuse gets added to the mix. Miami, they've got an older coach in Larinaga, but obviously he's got the benefactor of Ruiz, among others, that are in the NIL game. I think that's as much as anything the reason the ACC has slipped off, Trey. Yes, there's more money in the SEC. Yes, there's more money in the Big Ten. And no, it doesn't automatically translate into postseason success because in in basketball, unlike football, there's the variance of matchups and who gets hot at the right time. And you're going to always see the randomness that I think you got this past year. But I think as much as anything for the ACC, it's the fact they've lost big coaches and they have not replaced them with better coaches. And that has created the problem that ACC basketball has seen. And even if Reese Beatman returns to Virginia, I don't think it totally answers that challenge. Yeah. uh, I mean, I think you should expect, you know, improvement from Virginia year over year when you have a young team. But is Reese Beekman going to be the difference for them? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think if he was coming back, he would have announced it by now. That's kind of my sense of it. Um, but I'm not, you know, that is my very uneducated sense. So my guess is is um, they're preparing for, for life without him. And we will see where it goes from there. If there's a coach in this country I trust the most to get the most out of his team, it's Tony Bennett. And uh, I will expect Virginia to be right back where they were, contending for the ACC title and contending in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I do as well. And again, Duke is recruited and obtained talent at a very high level, but it is only going to be year two of John Shire. For North Carolina, they've gone through a couple of years of Hubert Davis, and he had the run where he almost won the national title. And if Baycott doesn't get hurt um, a couple of times during that run, notably against Kansas, then maybe North Carolina ends up making a deeper, uh, maybe ends up winning it all. But reality, Trey... I don't think it's off base to say that for Hubert Davis in North Carolina, there's still an element of prove it that's there because they made the final four, but it wasn't sustained this year. It was a disaster. I don't think his seat is hot by any means, but you go back to the conference right now and that becomes a real challenge. And there's not the element of proven production at those schools, much less 
Coaching changes at Louisville. I'm not sold at all on Kenny Payne. Syracuse as well. Things got real sour at the end of the Bayheim era. And other schools that have not stepped up in the absence of those, notably a school like a Wake Forest and an NC State that have been good, but not necessarily great. Uh, speaking of worries and concerns in the roster, good to hear from our guy Richie Longshots, who weighed in with this, and you can do that as well. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts, but uh, I'm not worried at all about Liberty football. Richie Longshots chiming in. I feel better about this team, the coaches, and the program as a whole than I did last year at this time. It's the portal with transfers. It's part of college football. Pay attention to college football. Other than Liberty, it happens. So I'll push back on that to an extent. I am not worried about the coaches because they have a proven track record. I'm not worried about the offensive defections because when you go from Hugh Freeze's scheme to Jamie Chadwell's scheme, it's a lot different what's being asked out of the team. And I, I yes, some of Liberty passing really within the 10-yard or less window in the spring game and at other points is probably because you've got uneasiness on the offensive line, rotating guys, new characters at wide receiver. Nobody fully asserted themselves at quarterback last year, and now everybody's learning a new role. But I also feel fine because Liberty's got enough talent, and they will be more talented than most teams they play this year. Where I am concerned is... I don't think they're as developed as Western Kentucky. And the Liberty defense suffered a rash of defections and departures from eligibility expiration of the transfer portal. And that is the part where I would be concerned because there's an element of schematics defensively, but there's also an element of just having bodies. Now, Liberty does not have a schedule that includes BYU, Arkansas, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. None, none of those teams and nobody of that caliber is on their schedule. Go look up and down. It was released with the game times earlier today. So uh, that part gives me concern. It may be a spot where you see real calls that the offense, the Jamie Chabell is going to know what he's doing offensively at Liberty. You may sit there and see holes defensively and say, wow, this offense is going to have to score 30-plus points a game for Liberty to have a chance to win because the defense is majorly a work in progress. But I think Liberty's in the right conference to do that. They have the right coaching staff to do it. And it may be the type of year where Liberty wins nine to ten games they're projected to win nine nine and a half depending on where you look for that particular number and they may not feel like a better team that could have beaten last year's team when last year's team was playing at their best but i also don't think and maybe i'm wrong but i'd be doubtful that jamie chowell leaves liberty after one season do i think he sticks around for liberty in 10 years probably not i think he ends up leaving at some point for a job somewhere down the line especially given the shifting landscape of college athletics. But, you know, I mean, Hugh Freeze, the last couple of years, and certainly the end of this past year, I don't think it's a coincidence that they beat Arkansas on the road. And as Damian Sortolet of NewsAdvance.com has noted numerous times when he was there before he left to go to Roanoke.com, after that was when Hugh Freeze went up to Charlottesville, supposedly, because the Auburn Plains went to Charlottesville from the Plains on Auburn to Charlottesville and that was before the games against UConn, Virginia Tech, and New Mexico State, where it all came unraveled at the end of the year. I don't see that type of scenario befalling the Liberty Flames this year. And so you factor all that in, and yeah, they may win more games this year than in prior years. Yeah, you may look at it and go, well, we're not as dominant, and we'd have a tougher time beating those elite teams. But look at the schedule. It was just released today. They're not on there. There are some losable games there. Old Dominion. Western Kentucky, certainly those two come to mind. There could be another two that slips in there as well for Liberty. But by and large, I think the roster construction is still very good. You got a coaching staff that knows what they're doing, and they have time for this to be much more of a work in 
progress. Uh, other feedback we'll get to in the next couple of days, but we've gotten some on sportsmanship. Great comments that have come in on that. Uh, one more that just came in from our guy Oliver, and we appreciate it as well. Fastlane, Ned Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram about the Liberty roster. We'll wait on that. And then, yes, Trey's favorite debate of all time, the debate of the greatest basketball player of all time. Old school versus new school. It is as quintessential as any comment you might find. So, share yours. Fastlane, Ned Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you missed anything, just check us out on the pod. And we're back tomorrow afternoon. More on the NASCAR suspension of Chase Elliott. Feuds, including Bubba Wallace and Eric Almarola. And more. This is the Fastlane across the Virginia Talk Radio Network.